0: Amen. Amen. Hey guys, turn in your Bibles if you would to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, I'll also be pulling from Romans chapter 12 as well if you'd like to go there. Um, If you don't have a Bible, stick a hand up nice and high and uh, some guys will be watching for that and we'll try to get one to you so that you can follow along with us Um, or you can use your app or whatever it is that you might happen to have. First Corinthians 12. A couple of quick announcements. Um, we, uh, you guys know, we, we have been uh, blessed to be able to, to acquire a private showing of the movie Son of God that starts here in a couple of weeks, a pre-release showing of it. And um, it's going to be at Cinemark. We sold out of tickets uh, last week right away, and we've actually filled their big theater, which is awesome Um, but we have still maybe opportunity to be able to do another showing for those who would like to and weren't able to buy tickets last week. Um, We're selling them for $7. That's less than it actually costs to be able to do it, but we love round numbers and all that kind of stuff. So um, we only need, I think... Even one of the smaller theaters is only like 120 or something like that people, so it doesn't take a lot more for us to be able to do another showing, and I think we're already in the 30s or 40s with that. So um, if you're interested in doing that, please stop at the table and give them your name, phone number, email, whatever it is that they're looking for, and we'll make sure that if we have enough people to be able to do that second theater, we'll get a hold of you and have tickets available for you for that. That is on... Oh, the date's not on here. It's February 27th. It's a Thursday night at 7 o'clock at Tinseltown. Um, go online. You can see the trailer for it. It's called Son of God. It's by the same people who made that the, the TV series recently on the Bible that was on uh, History Channel or whatever it was. So um, um, they've given us our own theater there. Like I said, pre-release. We'll be able to do communion afterwards. It's going to be a great time. So if you didn't get tickets last week, uh, stop by the table there and let them know on the way out. That would be awesome. Um, Also, Israel trip. If movies just aren't enough for you, you need the real deal. Then uh, today, uh, actually tomorrow, I think is your last day um, to be able to jump in. And so if you're like me and you're spontaneous, man, here's a surprise for your wife. Just come home. Guess what I did, honey? We're going to Israel in May. You know, it's only $3,700 per person, um, which is actually a Cr- crazy cheap compared to what this trip is costing these days. Um, and we'll be there about the same time as the Pope. He and I have been chatting. We'll probably meet up. You'll get to meet him. Um, he's going to get us hats. It's going to be awesome. So, um, <laughs> No, but in all honesty, it's going to be a really powerful time. Um, we've been going over the itinerary with the company that we're partnering with to be able to do this, and uh, we've got 22 people already that have paid from here from Heritage that are going, and we've got room for three more. So if you are spontaneous and you want to jump in and just come experience the Holy Land with us, my my seminary professor actually says that one trip to the Holy Land, one trip to Israel to see, to walk where Jesus walked, all those things, he says that's about the equivalent of a full year worth of seminary study, in his opinion, that it it makes that kind of difference in your uh, ability to read and understand Scripture. So um, I don't encourage debt, but... uh, I don't encourage debt. There's a Dave Ramsey class going on right now, man. Tyler's looking at me like, no, you'll undo everything. No, don't go into debt, but come to Israel. Borrow money from someone who won't make you pay it back. That's the best thing. Oh, and hey, one more thing, one more thing. Um, I I, I would like to, even on a personal level, if I can just do this, um, ask you guys to all be here next week. It It would mean a lot to me if everyone would be here next week and then some. Um, when we were in Seattle in November for the Resurgence Conference with a whole group of guys and other pastors and stuff, um, uh, we got a phone call from a dear friend of mine that was just heartbreaking. Um, some of you might even know him. He has some roots down in this area from years back, but um, his name's Bob Middleton. And Bob pastors a uh, Calvary Chapel church in the Dalles up in northern Oregon. And uh, Bob got a diagnosis that he has stage four incurable cancer, and the the average lifespan he's got, according to the doctors, about two years. And um, as soon as we got word of that, you know, we were just heartbroken, got a hold of him, man, Bob, what can we do? How can we help you? What can we do? And his immediate response was, you know, there's there's a time coming where I'm going to have something to say. And um, so he's coming down next weekend, and he's going to be here next Sunday to share. Uh, We're going to allow him to just share from the pulpit. Um, We as a church are taking this as an opportunity to really bless them, put him up in a, a, him and his wife in a good hotel and take him to dinner and just try to love on these two. Um, And then he's going to come and just kind of share what this, this has been like for him. And, you know, the prospect of having to, to realize like, wow, all this stuff, boy, I better believe it now, huh? (laughs) And having to walk through that, and it's going to be a a really, really important, there's some about hearing words like that from a guy whose clock is ticking, Um, but on another level, I I just want to be able to honor him, if that makes sense. So um, if you guys can make an effort really to be here next week, to honor a guy that has been serving God for many, many years and wants to go out serving him harder than he ever has, I think it'd be a good opportunity for us. Amen to that? Amen. So that's next week. Um, be praying for him and his, his family, if you would, please. Um, hey, we're in 1 Corinthians 12, and this is a, a weird message to give in general. Um, on Sundays, we typically, it's more sermon-ish, more preaching, and today's not going to be really preachy, to which some of you guys will be like, amen, so cool, You're, this is your week. Um, this passage, it's hard to not make this really just a lecture. It's a list and we're going to be going through a list. There's no big, giant, emotional punch on the end of this. There's no, like, now we need to huddle into prayer groups or any of that kind of thing. Like, this is, this is something we just need to understand. So I'm going to be going through this. It's a little bit lecture-ish. Um, it, it's not what you would call necessarily a heart sermon. Um, but it's one that we as a church need to know, need to understand, and need to have a grasp of. And it could benefit us really, really well. Um, I'll also warn you in advance, I'm hoping it's not long, but um, it, we can't stop halfway through this stuff. It makes for a weird starting point tomorrow. So I'm going to dive right in and get right at it, and we're going to uh, see what the Lord has for us. So let's open in prayer. God, we, even as we study these things, learning of your Holy Spirit, Lord, we need your Holy Spirit here for this now more than ever. And so I pray, God, that you would be in this place, that you would move amongst us, that you would guide even my thoughts. Lord, that you might have something that we need to understand that has nothing to do with notes or the sermon prep this week. And I pray, God, that even my own mind would be open to that, Lord, as, as we're speaking. Lord, I pray that you would be our teacher this morning. I pray, God, that the things that you would have us to understand and learn would stick. I pray, God, that things that aren't in, in line with your will would not. And I pray, God, that your church would grow in this understanding of what your spirit does and how you would have us serve in the church, God. So just pray your blessing on this time. Lord, give us hearts to hear. Give us the ability to give you the attention that you deserve. And we just just bow before you, Lord, and ask that you'd be glorified in all that's done. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So guys, 1 Corinthians 4, or 1 Corinthians 12, we've been really moving slowly so far. In fact, we spent two weeks on the first three verses. And that's very intentional because this is an area of huge misunderstanding, um, a, an area where a lot of people in the church are ignorant of these things. And Paul starts to pass out by saying, I don't want you to be ignorant of these things. So we're really taking an opportunity to lean in, if you will, and really make an effort to understand and grasp what's going on in these texts. Um, Also, we wanted to make sure that we were building a significant foundation before going forward. We don't want our understanding of this to drift We don't want to get caught up in weirdness. We don't want to fear things that don't make sense to us. What we really came to the conclusion of two weeks ago was the idea that we want our understanding of the topic of the Holy Spirit and today in particular spiritual gifts to be based on the Bible. To be based on the scripture and what it says, not on our own understandings, not on our own background, not on our favorite teacher's opinion even necessarily. But what does God say? Because it's not the words of Jeff Hensley or Billy Graham or John Piper or whoever that will last forever. It is the words of God that he says will last for eternity. And so that's what we want to build on. So we want a good, strong foundation as we're moving forward in these things. And then last week, we took an opportunity to really understand before moving forward that with regards to the gifts of the Spirit, there's a danger that we could become so obsessed and desire so much to understand all of these supernatural, fantastic issues. These, these outworkings of the Holy Spirit that are just mind-blowing maybe in some ways. But we can miss the most extraordinary thing that the Holy Spirit does. The greatest gift that the Holy Spirit gives is the Holy Spirit himself. And the understanding that the Holy Spirit, before we get into things like teaching or prophecy or any of that stuff, to understand that the Holy Spirit gives life, that he gives new life, that he desires to grow in us the gifts of the Spirit in accordance with Galatians 5. And that as 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, that he would be molding us from one degree to another, from glory to glory into the image of God. So really the primary work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the individual is that he is changing you and making you more and more like Jesus. That's really the easiest way to say that. But then within the context of the church, there are other workings of the Holy Spirit that do warrant our attention. We would benefit greatly from understanding these things. And so that's where we are in 1 Corinthians 12 at this particular point. And we're going to start with verse 4. Verse 4. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one spirit. To another, the workings of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, Right away, it should have stood out to us pretty clearly if we just read through the text... That there's an emphasis on same, same, common, same, same, one and same, same. And the reason is, again, Paul's writing to a church that has divided over these issues of the Holy Spirit. They've built this sort of hierarchy, if you will, and the more fantastic, the more amazing your gift is, then that must mean that you you are more spiritual, So if you're doing these things that just seem totally supernatural, man, you must be really tight with God. They would use the word from which we get the word ecstasy, which is the idea of a literal union, man and spirit. And so they would look at people that work in these mysterious kind of ways, and they would think, look, their union is more powerful or closer than mine is, therefore that person must be more spiritual. And so they began to divide, and they were really prideful people, so it it became arrogant and looking down on one another and really, really disruptive. And Paul wants to make it really clear right out of the gate that the Holy Spirit works in very diverse ways. Very diverse ways. And there's this emphasis going through over and over. Verse four, he says there's diverse gifts, same spirit. Verse five, diversities of service, same Lord. Verse six, diversities of workings, same God. Look, there's a whole lot of things going on, but it's the same God doing it. He goes through the list. To each is given a manifestation of the spirit. Notice it's a manifestation of the spirit, not the person He's taking all their attention away from the gifts and putting them on God. He says, verse seven, for the common good. Verse eight, wisdom, but through the spirit. Knowledge, through the spirit. Verse nine, faith, the same spirit. Hearings, one spirit. Are you picking up on this? It's pretty obvious, it would seem, right? All the way to the last verse, all of these are empowered by one and the same spirit. What he's trying to get across to them is, look, God works in a lot of different ways through a lot of different people. But it's the same God. And for us to argue over or, or divide over, man, his, he's more gifted than me. That's not fair. You're putting way too much attention on the gifted person and nowhere near enough attention on the God who's working through the gift. And Paul's trying to call them back together to say, will you stop worrying about what your neighbor's doing or what your other person's doing? And think about, look what God is doing. And celebrate that rather than divide and get angry and all these things. We'll we'll talk about that a great deal more coming up in the next section of Scripture for sure. This idea of unity and how Christ manifests in the church is not the gifted person. It's the manifestation of Jesus But he wants people to understand, and I want us to understand, we need to understand. Everyone who is saved has the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that breathes life into you. If you are saved, you have the Holy Spirit. And God has given everyone different gifts, God has blessed everyone with different gifts. And we ought not get drawn into this, what he got, what I got, I got dealt a bad hand. Oh, look how great he did. That's not the goal. The goal is not, or the emphasis should not be the gifted person, but the gift giver, God himself. And Paul wants them to understand that there's this idea that God's working amongst them. So everyone in the church has a gift, but not everybody has the same gift. And even more diverse, some people have multiple gifts, I mean, there's a lot of bleed over when you look at what the scriptures say about the different giftings of the Spirit. You've got the gift of prophecy, which is the declaration of truth, and then you've got the gift of teaching, which is teaching truth. We're going to get into these in a minute. Well, the, the two of those, it's kind of hard to separate the two. It's kind of hard to teach truth without declaring truth. It can be done, there are those who do it, they just don't believe what they're teaching. There's a lot of bleed over in those things. It's difficult, if you will, to to separate maybe someone who has the gift of mercy and someone who has the gift of helps or ministry because they're serving one another, and usually the two can coincide. So everyone has a gift. Some people can have multiple gifts. Some gifts are gifts that seem to be gifts that if God has given from birth. We might refer to them in a more natural term, things like just skill sets, we would just say, oh, he's gifted, he's always been, the idea that, that he's always been just a really smart person or a really musically talented person, they just get it. Well, you don't work towards that, that's something given by God. That's something that God has done in a person, and, and we tend to ignore some of the more natural things only to focus on the supernatural, but we ought not do that. Because a lot of the things that the Spirit does is take the the ordinary, if you will, and use them by the power of the Spirit to do incredible things for the church. Extraordinary things. And we don't want to become like the people of Corinth who just only focused on the supernatural. There's some gifts that you can grow in over time. Other gifts, though, are one-time manifestations, as Paul puts it, one-time manifestations of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit just makes it known to his church, I'm here. And those are not ordinary. Sometimes those are weird, frankly, extraordinary, we would say, but they're a blessing to see when, Holy, when the Holy Spirit operates in his church um, and also understand that there's, there's diversity even within individual gifts. God can have, some people are gifted to lead in different ways than others. So you got this gift we'll get to in a minute with regards to administration and leadership. And some people are great leaders of 10. But then if you try to put them in charge of 100, it's just too much. It doesn't work out so well. So some people are, are gifted in leaders of 10. Some are gifted leaders of 20. Some are gifted leaders of 1,000. There's even pictures and stories in the Bible that demonstrate all of these things. So the Holy Spirit works in a lot of different ways. He's diverse, he's broad, and he works outside of the bounds of our understanding in a lot more ways than just, is it ordinary or extraordinary? He works all around us. We miss most of it, I'm convinced. So Paul wants to drive home to them the idea of the diversity of how the Holy Spirit works. And that's why he gives this list. Same spirit, but there's diversities of, and he gives all these different examples of ways in which the Holy Spirit works. And the Holy Spirit desires to work through each and every one of you here. He's gifted each and every one of you. Um, A lot of you don't know it. Some of you know what your gifts are. Some of you assume what your gifts are, but you might be wrong. Some of you just don't even know. And so one of the most common questions that I used to get all the time, especially as I was leading young people and college kids and stuff in years past, was, so how do I find what my spiritual gift is? How do I find what God desires for me to do, how God wants me to work? Well, I got some questions for you, and I I hope you'll write some of this stuff down. Um, Next week in Huddle Group, Huddle Leaders, I'm gonna give you a heads up. This is all you're gonna talk about next week. What are the gifts of the Spirit? How do we find what our gift is? And then how, in the context of community, do we operate and walk in those gifts? So these are good things to understand and think through. The first thing I would say, if you were saying, so how do I find out what my spiritual gift is? Let me ask this way. What is it that you are passionate about? That's a good place to start. What are the desires God has put in your heart? Because a lot of times, that's what God wants to work through. I'll give you an example. I have a passion for Africa. The African people, the African landscape, um, everything. I Love the people of Africa when movies come on, when documentaries are on, when 60 Minutes is talking with Africans. I mean all those things. I love that. I have such a heart there. And that's why we've really emphasized in such a great way. And I'm not the only one. There's a lot of you in here. And so our missions work here has tended to be very focused and oriented towards Africa. I personally don't have the same heart for India. There, it's not a hatred, don't go too far with this, but there's nothing in me that wants to go to India. There's just nothing in me that wants to go there. I love curry, but not that much. You know what I mean? I just, there's just nothing, there's no draw there. But, but I have a friend of mine at another church who has the exact same passion I have for Africa, but it's towards India. Like, we're not supposed to have the same passion and drive towards every single thing that's out there. That's what you might refer to as a call. God calls and wants us to work in diverse places in diverse ways. And so he's given me a passion for Africa because he wants me to work and help and encourage people in Africa. And he's given my friend a passion for India, and he does the same thing there. And so one of the things that we can do, what's the Holy Spirit calling me to do? What are the things God's gifted me with? First, I would say, what is it that you're passionate about? Some of you might have a heart for the elderly. Some of you might have a heart for those who are homeless, um, some of you might be just straight up nerds and you have a heart for organization and folders. That's a gift. Oh, it's true. You think I'm teasing you now, just wait. So so what is it that you're passionate about? But look, passion's not everything, right? I am passionate about basketball. I cannot dunk. So question number two is, what are you good at? What are you good at? What, what can you do well? What has God blessed you to do. Question number three, what do others see in you? This is a good one to think about. The the gifts of the Spirit are given to us to operate in community. The emphasis, as we're going to close with, is that the gifts of the Spirit are given for the benefit of the church, of the local church, of community. And so, First of all, if we're looking to say, what are my spiritual gifts, you should be in community because that's where those things should start to play out and happen. But also within community, it's good to go to those who know you well and ask them, just say, look, what do you see in me? In Acts chapter two, when the Holy Spirit comes upon the church there in the upper room, it says that these tongues of fire came upon their heads. And I kind of look at that in the way that like, you can't necessarily see your own. You're kind of like doing this, but sometimes the other person can see it. And so sometimes it takes that other person going, you know what, man, I just noticed that you always seem to just, when you talk, it's just why. You just seem to have a lot of wisdom. God seems to have blessed you in that way. So I would encourage you, man, if you're not in a huddle group, get in one, get in community with people and then talk to your huddle group next week. That's gonna be one of the discussions you're gonna have. Talking to one another and saying, what is it you see in the other person? How do you see God using them and working through them? Number four, What are the needs that you see around you? The spiritual gifts are given for the edification of the body and for the common good of the church. And oftentimes they're just based on what need happens to be there. Kind of like in the book of Esther, that you're in that place for such a season or for such a time as this. And so sometimes there's just a need around you, and you're the one that's there, and God chooses through the Holy Spirit to empower you to go and meet that need. This is how I learned that God was using me or desired to use me as a teacher. Because if you had asked me years ago, Are you, are you going to be a teacher? I'd, No, <laughs> no, anyone, but I can't do that but I was working really closely with another pastor and we spent a lot of time together working on other stuff. And, and then he ended up getting moved and took over the entire children's ministry of this big church. And, and he just said to me, man, I need teachers. You gotta help me. I'm in need. And I'm like, all right, I'll do it. Who am I teaching? First through third graders. Oh, dang. <laughs> Think before you speak. Think before you speak. No, but you know what, man, that the things that I learned teaching first through third graders are still some of the same things I use today. They really are. If you can keep a first through third graders attention teaching, you can teach anybody. It's just true. And so in that case, God revealed to me what he wanted me to do because there was a need there and he had put me in place to meet that particular need. So I encourage you, what are the needs that are around you? And and just word of warning, it can be easy to come to church and just assume that because things always go on, they must have everything covered. Could not be further from the truth. Could not be further from the truth. Church tends to be 10% of the people doing 90% of the work. And that's definitely the case here. So there are plenty of room for you to work and plenty of needs to be met. Please ask if you're not aware of any Uh, What tends to be the case though is it's like we want certain things and if we can't find that, we won't do anything. But I won't beat you up today. We'll talk about that later. Number four. Five. Another way is to just plain study the gifts. Just study them. Now, there, there, you have to be careful in this. So today, I'm going to be drawing from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and from Romans 12, where are the two more specific and, and mediest, if you will, lists of spiritual gifts within the Bible. But these are not intended, I don't believe this at all, that these are intended to be exhaustive lists of spiritual gifts. They're not given in the context of a dissertation on spiritual giftings where they say the following are the spiritual gifts and there are no others. In this particular text, for an example, in in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul's dealing with diversity and so he's just trying to present diversity. And so he's like, look, there's this and there's this and there's this and there's this. And we got to be careful to take from this passage the understanding that this is it. You're only gifted in this way, and any gift that's not on this list is not a spiritual gift. It's outside of that. That's not the intent of the passages. Um, if he knew I was going to say this, he'd be upset with me. But there's a guy named Carmine here at the church that does all of our graphics here at the church, graphics designer. He is really gifted, artistic, and has vision. And so he'll call me up and he'll talk to me like, hey, so you're going to be starting 1 Corinthians pretty soon. Talk through with me. Tell me about the text. Tell me about the book. And we start talking about what the book is about and who Paul's writing to and all this stuff. And I just share that with him. And then one day in the email, I get this. Here's this picture of the train tracks and one's going off track. And he's like, this is what I felt. And, and he's talking about that. And I'm like, dude, you nailed it. That is 1 Corinthians right there. And that is a gift where he's taking the message of God and using this ability that God has given him and using them together to serve the church. That is absolutely a gift, but graphic designer doesn't make the list. Okay, so just be careful not to go, it can only be this, but there is a lot we can learn from these particular lists. And sometimes just the idea, the person who commits their heart to saying, I want to discover what God has for me. I'm going to open his word. I'm going to seek him. The scriptures say, when you seek him, you'll find him. And so one of the ways of discovering, man, what is it that God has called me to do is to study these things and to seek them and to say, okay, this is what wisdom is. This is what wisdom means. This is how wisdom plays out in scripture. This is how Christ was wise. Do I have wisdom? And to ask those questions. And so we're going to go through them here in just a minute. Um, So it's just a really good way to do it. Um, But another one, where are we at? Who's keeping number for me? Six. That's all the people with the gift of administration right there. The organization, they've manila folders, that's them. So, um, but but the best way in, in a lot of ways, obviously study the scripture and all that, but I would strongly encourage you this, like just go do something. That's a big one. Paul says to Timothy, stir up the gift that's within you. And my wife the other day had some soup on the stove that she was heating and she asked me to go and, and get her some soup out and kind of ladle out and bring her to her. She's still recovering from surgery. Thanks for your prayers on that. Um, and it just looked like broth. I went to the pot, I grabbed the spoon, and I look and all I see is broth. But then I stirred it, man, there was potatoes and there was vegetables and there was noodles. There was all kinds of stuff in there. Had no idea until I stuck the spoon in there and just went for it. Let me encourage you, just go Do something. If you're like, I, I think maybe I have the gift of teaching, you find out by teaching. And, and it might not even be that. Don't expect it. I think I have the gift of teaching, so I need to go throw down a five-point sermon, hermeneutical examples of blah, 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 blah. No, it, a lot of times it's like, you know what, this is something you're going to grow in, but God just lights that fire and you're like, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do. So let me encourage you, man. Go do some. Don't don't be the guy who sits back and prays and I'll just walk through the woods until God gives me this crazy vision that says this is what you're supposed to do. You might walk for a really long time. In the meantime, the need God has for you to be met is sitting there just waiting on you. I encourage you, don't waste time. Get to work. Serve. Minister. Love people. Reach out. See what God does in you. Stir them up. And then finally, of course, ask God. And the scriptures say, for example, that, that God is the good giver of gifts, more so even than a parent for his child. He says, How much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So pray. pray. Say, God, I, I know that I'm part of your kingdom and I know that you have something for me to do. I know that you're gifting me. I know you're leading me. I know there are needs, and I know there are people in the church that need to be ministered to and people outside of the church that don't have the gospel. Lord, will you show me what my role is? He's not gonna hide from you. God will lead you. Ask him. But can I give a couple of other side notes in addition? Number one, sometimes we can think, if I have the spiritual gift of teaching, then that means I'm going to step right in and be a out of the just amazing teacher. But, but look, most of the gifts tend to be things that we grow in over time. Um, they can get confused as skill sets, and they are skill sets that God uses in supernatural ways many, many times. But they should be, they're things that we grow in. And sometimes we can think, no, if I have the spiritual gift of teaching, then man, I don't even have to study I just, I just open my mouth and the spirit takes over and it's awesome. No, it's not true. Some of the worst teachings I have ever heard were by people that were saying, I'm just going to be spirit led and let me see what comes out. And I'm just like, dude, the spirit should have led you to first Timothy that says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed. You should be ashamed of that teaching. All right, so so don't, don't, don't misunderstand the Holy Spirit and think that he becomes this crutch to the lazy or this supercharger that just takes over and that there's no, there's no involvement from us at all. And if you are gifted in a certain area, you should desire to grow in that. If you're gifted in wisdom, who's the source of wisdom? Come on, out loud? God. So you don't just sit around and wait. God has given you his full revelation. So you're studying. And the wisdom that you give people tends to be stuff straight out of the scriptures. But but there's a growth in those things. God desires for us to walk with him and grow in those things. And the the other thing I want to say too, just a side note to parents as well, man, cultivate the gifts that you see in your children. I beg you to do this. The culture around us says that the right way to raise kids is to just let them find themselves and kind of step back and stay out of the way. And that would seem to be like this great, awesome, liberty-filled way of parenting except for the Bible, because the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible compares child to parent using an analogy of an archer and arrows that are to be drawn back, aimed, and fired. And so you as a parent, you know your children. You see the gifts in your children. I, I have a daughter who is just so meticulously organized. Like she has a billion stuffed animals. I'm ashamed of how many stuffed animals my daughter has. They all have names. They all have families with names. They all, there's like family trees to these stuffed animals. They sit in a specific place and nowhere else. And she will not go to sleep at night until they're there. Believe me. Like, she's very organized in all this stuff. And the toys get put away in boxes and all this kind of stuff. It's amazing. My other daughter, not at all. But my other daughter has such a tender heart, and she's merciful. And when she hears about Africa or things like that, she can't. But, like, I want to go. I want to help. And so our job as parents is to identify the giftings and callings in our kids and nurture them encourage them, give them opportunity to grow in those things and to help them find what God has for them in the future. Not to just sit back and go, man, I just hope it works out. And you know your kids. Aim them. Amen? All right. So um, enough about all that kind of stuff. We need to talk about the gifts. But I have a couple of more. um, A couple of more. I'm going to skip all that. That doesn't even matter. Let's just skip (laughs) You're like, this dude does not have the gift of teaching. (laughs) I'm being spirit led, yo, come on. Um, Let's just talk about the gifts. Can we just get onto the gifts? We've had like three weeks of disclaimers. Let's just talk about what the scripture gives to us as gifts. Remember, they're not an exclusive list, but because they are recorded in scripture, it's very much worth our time and attention in understanding what they are, all right? And I said, I'm going to draw from a couple of different places. There's really three areas in the Bible where there's a sort of list given. Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. Um, and a helpful way of understanding how those are presented um, is to look at Romans 12 seems to be the gifts that God has given someone that you, that you sort of possess, if that makes sense. A gift that God has given you and you grow in over time. Uh, Ro- Ephesians 4 tends to be the offices that God has given the church, pastor, teacher, prophet, the uh, evangelist that God has given the church four works of ministry, so they're more like formal offices that gifted people serve in. And then 1 Corinthians 12 seems to be the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Not necessarily a gift that we claim ownership of, that we can just kind of use in any old time, but, but operations and manifestations where the Holy Spirit just sort of presents himself and says, I'm here. Now, you gotta be careful, though, because that's a man-made organizational structure and the boundaries really aren't that clean. It's a helpful way to think through it, but you see things like some gifts are in both lists, so how does that work? And then you have tongues, which it talks about within corporate setting, but what about people that pray in private? And there, there's, so it's, it's not a, 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 a in stone, cemented, this is how that works, but it can be a really helpful way to think through the gifts of the Spirit. Um, what we're gonna look at today, as quickly as I can, going through them, but as thoroughly as I can as well, is what are the gifts that the the Bible presents to us? What do those things mean? And I wanna encourage you, take notes. If you know what your gift is, then take notes about your gift and understand what God has called you to. This could be a really good reminder for what God has for you. If you don't know, take notes. See what God has for you, all right? So the first one is this. The first out of 1 Corinthians 12, 8, he speaks of wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom and knowledge. Now, I'm gonna speak of them in reverse order just because I think it's a little more helpful for us with understanding. Uh, Knowledge, the gift of knowledge. Knowledge is an accumulation of fact, an accumulation of information, and it can seem um, really quite ordinary. Some people, even from the womb, are just wired to learn, right? Some people are just wired to learn. Your favorite sport is Jeopardy, you know what I mean? Like you just love information, you love knowledge, you love to study. Um, Some of you may have, if you've moved, if if in the last year or so you've moved towards the front of the sanctuary because Pastor Jeff once in a while gives away books, this might be your spiritual gift, all right? That might be the thing that God has wired you to operate in, the idea of the gift of knowledge. If you go into people's houses and you tend to go straight to their bookshelves, that might be you. Um, those of you that work deep in these gifts, you love books by dead guys, and a book out of print is like the greatest thing on the earth. <coughs> Excuse me, just this accumulation of knowledge, study, learning. What did the old guys have to say? You know that kind of thing. Those tend to be footnotes. You love footnotes. You love references. You don't skim books like we do. You read them. You know what I mean gift of knowledge, and you think, well, that seems like kind of ordinary, but look, God uses ordinary things to do super extraordinary things. Like I have professors in seminary right now that have the gift of knowledge, and it is phenomenal. It's unbelievable the things that God has shown them And to be able to pick up a phone and call one of these guys on their cell phone, to be able to hit like a difficult text and call up the head of the theology department, who is a world leader in theology, and just say, hey, I'm struggling with this text right here. Can you help me think this thing through? And he knows. Like, he doesn't have to go, I'll get back to you in a month after I study it. Like, he knows. That is a gift from God to help people with the understanding of Scripture. That is an absolute gift. And so, again, it can seem really ordinary, but but the Holy Spirit can work in very extraordinary ways. Like, Have you ever just known something just wasn't right? You ever just knew, I've got to call Sam because there, something's not right and I, can, I just know it? You ever had those moments? Or you ever had something going on in your life and someone just knew and they just called you out of the blue? They could just tell And sometimes the Holy Spirit works in the church to say, you know what, man, they're struggling and you need to go minister to them. And he'll give someone even a word of knowledge, just things they shouldn't be able to understand something that's going on, but they just have a knack for that. That's knowledge. Now, wisdom, if knowledge is accumulation of fact, wisdom is application of knowledge. Wisdom is just how to navigate situations. So a person with the gift of wisdom just has um, just amazing insight and wisdom into how to navigate difficult situations that maybe aren't as obvious to other people. Um, in, in again, in ordinary settings, counselors, biblical counselors, that have the ability to sit down in front of someone who's going through a difficult situation and hear the problem, and just have that ability to, with wisdom, help them navigate through different situations in life. That's the gift of wisdom. Those people are invaluable. It is so, man, if you don't have a friend that operates and just is, is gifted by God in wisdom, man, go find one. Those are the kind of people you should stick close to at all times. Um, God just has gifted people in that. And, and they're the kind of person that when they speak, there just tends to be a weight to their words. You know people like that? You're just like, man, that's just, that person is just wise. When they talk, we listen a little more carefully than when other people talk. Right? Not calling names, just saying. That is the gift of wisdom. And, and that is, can be very ordinary. Like I said, counselors, huddle leaders within the church here, if they aren't gifted in wisdom, they should be praying for that because their role in that setting is to help a group of people walk through life together, to take even the teaching that's given on Sunday and help this group determine how do we walk this out on a weekly basis. That's what wisdom is. So huddle leaders, counselors, teachers, but on a supernatural level, sometimes, you know, God just appears, if you will. And he just through another person can speak the right word at the right time. And a lot of times the person speaking it doesn't even know that they're working in the operation of the gift at that moment, but the listener does. You ever had that? Someone says something to you and you're like, that was for me. That was for me. That was a word from God that, addresses my specific situation. I've had people say things to me before that didn't even know about the situation that I was in, but in the context of confirmation, God uses them to speak a word to me that I'm like, that was from the Lord, and I've gotta remember that. That's the gift of wisdom. Now, let me clarify, these are not gurus, Okay, people, wisdom, knowledge, these are not gurus who we call up on 1-800 numbers and ask them for advice and all of these different things. They're not people that have knowledge and wisdom independent of anything else, especially the idea of wisdom. Because Isaiah 50 verse 4 says this, The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, so that I might know how to sustain with a word one who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. That's a, a prophetic passage about Jesus. And what it's saying is, in describing how we see in the book of Mark and in the other gospels, how Jesus, in the morning, he would get up and he would go and spend time with his father. And he would spend time in prayer. And he had studied the scriptures. And then he would go and minister. Because Jesus understood, and we need to understand, that the source of wisdom is God himself. And so we're not gurus that we can just sit around and answer everybody's questions. What we are are those who allow and hope that God will speak through us as we seek wisdom from him. Does that make sense? Say amen if you're with me. Amen. So that's wisdom and knowledge. Um, The second one is faith. Verse 9. We're going to go a lot faster. Don't freak out. Faith. The spiritual gift of faith can look really ordinary. Um, But someone who is gifted in faith just has that uncanny ability to just trust God with whatever's coming down the pipe. They just, they're unflappable. Like, it might look totally impossible, totally difficult situation to everyone else, but they look at it and they're just, they have total assurance in God's promise that God's going to do what he says he's going to do. It's an amazing thing. And some people, that's their gift. They are just people of faith. These are great friends to have because they are solid and dependable. And even in the middle of difficulty, they know God's working, and so they stick it out. We're very thankful for people who have the gift of faith. But this can also, again, be an extraordinary occurrence or manifestation of the gift of the spirit of faith by God for a specific situation. When my wife and I years ago gave up our jobs and moved to Mexico to do missions work, people would talk to us and they were like, I can't believe you're doing this. I can't believe you're doing this. And for us, it just didn't make sense to not do it. There was no fear. It just seemed like the most logical decision in the world. Like, look, God's doing something. Yeah, they're good jobs and it's a good house, but it's all right. We'll sell it. We'll quit. It's fine. God's doing something. There was no fear at all. And I look back now and I think, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> I just, how did I do that? How could I have had that kind of faith? That seems so frightening now. But in that moment, God gave us grace to follow him through the gift of faith. Um, People with the gift of faith are huge encouragers to us because when we freak out, they're strong. And they remind us more than that they are strong. They remind us that God is strong. Those are good friends to have. Amen? Um, Healing. Here's where it gets a little sketchy. Verse nine, the gift of healing. Now, the gift of healing can look very ordinary, just like everything else. I'm convinced of this. Um, Doctors, nurses, physicians, people who have been blessed by God with the opportunity, with the knowledge, with the skills to be able to just help sick people get better. And you go, wait, that that can't be a spiritual gift. They are well compensated. That can't be a spiritual gift. Well, maybe, but I also know a lot of people that are gifted in this way that allow God to work through that gift in the mission field, through donating of medical supplies, through helping care for people who can't work otherwise. I, I got this one friend who is a cancer specialist and he... Not only is a really skilled doctor in dealing with cancer, but he prays with his patients every chance he gets. And if you ask him, he would say, because I don't know if God's going to heal through ordinary medicine or if he's just going to heal because I prayed for him. And I want to give God room to move. This person's dying. I want them to have every chance they can have. And so it can be very ordinary through that, but it can also be absolutely extraordinary. My grandmother, speaking of cancer, had cancer so bad that when the doctors opened up her chest, she chain smoked for over 30 years. And when doctors opened up her chest to go inside and try to remove the cancer, it was so bad they did nothing. They just looked at it and they said, This is far worse than we can't do anything about this. So they sewed her back up. We were expecting hours of surgery. They came back in and they said, We we can't do anything. She's probably got six months. She was unsaved. She went to a church. Pentecostal, freak Jeff out kind of church. They prayed for her. She literally ran a lap around the sanctuary. Not kidding. Elderly sick grandma with stitches ran a lap around the sanctuary. The next time she went back to the doctor, the scans couldn't find the cancer in her lungs that was so bad they couldn't even operate on it. Now you can be a skeptic, And you could go to my grandma and say, that's just chemo and that's all that kind of stuff. But she's a strong country woman and she would punch you right in the nose. (laughs) I'm I'm just telling you, man. She's a country woman. She slept with a gun next to her bed right there, like grandma. (laughs) But she lived for another 17 years. God heals. God absolutely heals. I don't believe that there is a individual who is a healer. And and one of the reasons I don't believe this is because when you go to the book of James, it says, hey, if someone's sick, have the elders, plural, come and lay hands upon that person so that they might be healed. Anoint them with oil. It doesn't say, if someone's sick, go find someone with the spiritual gift of healing. And that would seem to make sense if that was the case. People have been horribly taken advantage of uh, by the church, churches, that have healers that say, I'm going to heal you, but now it's on your faith to be made whole. And you exhibit your faith by giving. So let's pass the baskets again and all that. You know how that goes. But it doesn't mean God doesn't heal. Along with that too are miracles. In verse 10, God is still alive today. God does miracles today. Many of them associated with healing When you look at how miracles happen in the New Testament, miracles tend to be associated with evangelism, the spread of the gospel, and for the spread of the kingdom, not just for individual miracles' sake. And you'd say, "Okay, but if he still does that today, how come we don't see all that many of them?" And I would say, "Because you live in America," and I don't mean that in a bashing America kind of way. I'm just like, you should travel. Because when you go to places like Africa, when you go to places like India where they don't have urgent care centers they can just rush to every time someone gets sick, where they have nothing but dependency on God, I'm telling you, man, you hear some stories. And you just ask them, like, do you guys see miracles? Oh, yeah. They were like two an hour ago. You got here late. (laughs) You just hear stuff. And I just think, honestly, like there's one of the reasons we don't see God move a lot is because we don't have to depend on God a lot to our own discredit. And maybe if we had, if we chose to, and I'm, I'm not saying don't go to the doctor, please, everybody listen, go to the doctor. My, our lawyers would kill me. But, but here's what I am saying. Everything is just so available to us. It's hard not to depend on the, the resources that are here, even God-given ones, and, and forget to go to God in a lot of different areas. And I just think you see him move in other areas in a really powerful way. It's one of the benefits for us of doing missions over there. It reminds us of what God does. So those are miracles. Next is prophecy, which is in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, 6. Prophets are not fortune tellers. Prophets in the Bible are not those who predict the future. Now you go, but wait a minute, wait a minute. There are prophets in the Bible who predicted a future. No, no the prophets in the Bible spoke God's word. God predicted the future. Okay. Big difference. All right. Prophets are not those who can tell what's coming down the pipe. The prophet's job is to speak the word of God. That's what prophets do. So when you teach the word, you are, I hope, speaking prophecy because you are speaking the word of God to others. Does that make sense? That's what prophets are. Um, Paul will talk later. Uh, We'll get to that in chapter 14. We're running a long time. I'll skip that. But the church needs prophets because the church needs to hear the word of God. So it's a very prevalent position, office, gift that you see through Scripture quite a deal, um, or quite a great deal. Word of prophecies can be encouraging, convicting, and correcting, but they are always edifying. That's Ephesians 4. They are always for the common good of the church. That's 1 Corinthians 12. The goal of the prophet is not to beat someone down, but to help them or the Holy Spirit working through that word of prophecy to accomplish 2 Corinthians 3.18, which is to grow them closer and closer to Jesus Um, teachers are almost always, I would hope if you're teaching the Bible, you're you're acting in the gift of prophecy. Others of you, you might have just a knack for memorizing scripture and quoting scripture. Or just when people are talking to you, you have that ability to just bring the word of God to bear in different situations. That's the word of prophecy. It's a, a great, great gift to have around. Next, verse 10 is discernment. Discernment. The Bible gives us a great example, which is kind of funny even, of discernment. In in the Bible, there's a story where Jesus says to Peter in Matthew 16, who do you say that I am? He says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the most high God. And Jesus says to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the Father who is in heaven. He says, Peter, you just operated in the gift of discernment. You have discerned who I am, that I am from God, not by your own ability, but the Holy Spirit has guided you to help you understand who I am. And the reason it's funny is because six verses later, Jesus says, hey, I'm going to be crucified and I'm going to be persecuted and I'm going to go through suffering. And Peter goes, not you, Lord. Far be it from you, Lord. And then Jesus says to the same guy, six verses later, get thee behind me, Satan. That's discernment. You're not talking from God this time, Peter. 50-50 gets you in the Hall of Fame in baseball, Peter. So be encouraged. But that's not—that's discernment, just the gift to be able to discern. Man, is this, is, is this of God? My mom had this, and it drove me crazy growing up. Drove me insane. Couldn't get away with nothing. Moms, I think a lot of moms have the gift of discernment, because a lot of kids need it. The gift of discernment. Um, tongues and interpretation, uh, we're not going to spend much time on here today, because chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians is almost exclusively about this, um, the idea here—it's given in the context of a church meeting where God speaks through people, um, where an a, a unknown tongue is spoken and then interpretation comes with it. The idea being is that it is given for the encouragement and edification of the body. Paul's going to go into great detail on this in just a couple of chapters, so hang with me. Uh, the next one is service. That's from Romans twelve seven. Ministering means serving. Those who have the gift of service and ministry, if prophets speak truth, then you embody truth because you serve. You just, like Christ, you serve. You see a need, you serve. You see something going on, you serve. Now, everyone who is a Christian is a servant, right? But there are some people who, not just like, do I get to serve, but I have to serve. It's in my DNA. It's what God has gifted me and called me to do. I have to go and serve. When you see a need, it has to be met. When you see a Facebook post that says someone's moving, you go, oh, goody, instead of the rest of us who make excuses, right? That's you, like opportunities to serve. You're like, I am in, I've got to serve. There's a need that needs to be met. You can't bear to see somebody doing something by themselves. You got to jump in and help. That's the gift of service. That's, the Holy Spirit wants to work through that in your life. Here in the church, there's people, deacons, setup crews, helpers in the kid wings, kids' wing. The kid wings, missionaries, uh, parachurch organizations outside the church, like uh, Hearts with a Mission, Habitat for Humanity, areas where people serve in those gifts. The next is teaching. Romans twelve seven, if prophets speak truth, ministers um, embody truth, then teachers define and explain truth. Teachers just have a knack for helping you understand the word of God. They might be able to take a truth and break it down. I started to learn that maybe this is what, what I was actually good at or gifted in when I was in college. And we were taking a philosophy class. And I had a study group there. And, and when we were trying to work through these different difficult uh, philosophy concepts, some of the guys would just say, I, man, I like how you do that because you're always saying, that is like this. And what I was doing was taking these philosophical, boring contexts. And I was going, you know, guys, that's sort of like and trying to help us understand that stuff. That's the gift of teaching. Um, the, this is a needed gift within the church with our kids and our huddle groups that we would help each other. It's important that we understand the word of God. That is the gift of teaching. Next is exhortation. Um, exhorters encourage us to walk in truth. Your, your life verse, if you're an exhorter, is Hebrews 10.24, which says, Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and to good works. Those with the gift of exhortation just encourage Now, sometimes they do that through a word of correction that says, look, man, you're not right here and and you know what God has for you, but but they don't do it in a bullying point, go do this sort of way. They tend to be the one who throws an arm around someone and says, now, come on, let's go see what God has for us. Does that make sense? Because I know people that say, I have the gift of exhortation and it's really just an avenue for them to speak out of pride and tell everybody else what they're doing wrong. But all of the gifts of the Spirit should point people to Jesus, not make you look good. And all of the gifts of the Spirit are given for the edification of the person, to build them up, not beat them down. And so exhorters are are just great, great encouragements. And I want to encourage you, man, practice that gift. It can mean the world to just send a little encouraging email to somebody. Do it. Use it. I got one this week that was just so rightly timed, and it was such a blessing. I encourage you, do that with one another here. Giving, um, people who have the gift of giving in Romans 12, eight, you just have to give. And and you're not doing it to make yourself look good. People with the gift of giving tend to understand how much God has blessed them and they feel the need to give and the desire to give as a result of that. So, So you see what God has blessed you here, so you wanna bless others. So you're bringing people to your house for dinner, you're funding missions, you're just giving all of the time. And just in case, we're going to give you an opportunity to practice that right now by doing a second passing of the... I'm joking. I'm joking. Some of you people are like, what? <laughs> joking. Spiritual gift. But um, that the gift of giving, it is important because not everybody can go to Africa to do work, but the work needs to be done. And there's a lot of people that are called to Africa to do work that don't have the resources to do it. And that's how God works within the body, to be able to accomplish those things. Uh, the the second to last one. Uh, Romans 12, eight, leadership or administration or literally the word is rule. This is one that a lot of people would consider to be the least spiritual of all the spiritual gifts. In fact, a lot of people that operate in this gift um, get uh, kind of pegged as being the, the secular, the unspiritual. They're just depending on processes and procedures. They're leaving no room for the Holy Spirit to work. They just want to get organized. And, and you'll hear people even talk about churches that small, unorganized church, oh, look at the Spirit move. But as soon as you start to grow and get organized, they go, look, there's no room for the Spirit in that. But th- this is a spiritual gift, there are some people that just have a knack for understanding this is where we're going, and I can help us get there in a really much better way. Moses, I can come alongside you, and we have a shorter route to Israel kind of a thing. Just people that have the gift of organization and leadership, um, you know, charts and graphs, pie charts, that kind of stuff, apps, you love apps on your phone. Um, you you are into structure, you're into uh, uh, flow charts. Oh, man, leadership people love flow charts. We we have, there's a couple of people in particular, but there's several here in the church that operate in this gift, and I constantly drive them crazy because they're like, I see where you're going, how are we going to get there? And I'm like, I don't know, and that drives them nuts. And I'm, I'm having to learn to grow and to say, okay, how can I, partner with this person who's got this gift to be able to structure things in such a way because a lot of those things, they just don't even occur to me. An example would be, I didn't tell him I was going to do this either, but just recently as the church has grown, we just felt with regards to things like financial accountability here at the church, we're like, we just want to be above board on this. We want to be really accountable and we want to make sure that there's no area for misuse or or, or, or straight up theft or any of that stuff with regards to To the resources that God has given the church. So we wanted to bring someone onto the board of directors here at the church for the specific role of financial oversight. Someone that would look at all the receipts, that would look at all the spending, that would monitor the budget categories to make sure that it was being watched. And if anything seemed weird or whatever, this guy's gonna have the guts to stand up and ask the question, to bring it to the board meeting and to keep us all on board with these things. Because there's great churches who have been abused and things taken advantage of, and we just didn't want that to happen here. So we looked, not for like the, the person who is like the most, they, he prays all the time and he's the most eclectic, spiritual. No, we looked for a businessman. We looked for a guy that understands how to make columns add up and how to make things organized and how to put things in perspective. And, and so we, we brought John Adams on for the, to the board of directors at Heritage. And it's been a blessing. He's already like, hey, I need this report. I don't have that report yet. Get me that report. And I'm like, oh, what were we thinking? No. <laughs> No, it's good because we need someone in that role that can govern those things. And it's an opportunity for him to use the gifts that God has given him to bless and protect the church. So that you can give, those of you who have the gift of giving, you can give to the church in such a way that you don't have to worry about whether that's going to be misused or abused. That's a good thing. Amen? So the gift of administration is an important thing. These make great board members, great kids wing overseers, working at the information desk maybe. If you're an administrator, get in in a huddle group and come alongside your huddle leader and say, hey, how can I help organize things? Plan an event, plan an outing, plan a missions opportunity, whatever the case may be. Put together a phone list or a prayer list or whatever the case may be. But there is lots of opportunity for you to move in those things. And then finally, the gift of mercy, the gift of mercy. You guys are awesome. The gift of mercy. I mean, everyone is to be merciful, obviously. Amen. But some people, man, that is just, it's like, it's part of their DNA in a way that it's just not with others. Like when those prayer chain emails come through, you read them and you pray. You know what I mean? You don't just go, Oh, there's another one. Like you pray. When you see those kind of needs, you want to make meals for the sick. You want to visit those in the hospital. You love Max Licato books, the movie Fireproof, Puppies, Sermons That Touch the Heart. I mean, you're just that. You are a heart-motivated kind of person that you see these things and you are touched. People of Mercy and people of Administrative live on two totally different continents, right? They just do. They just do. But they're both needed. And so a person of mercy just has that knack to want to just show love and mercy and kindness to others. And here's the kicker, though. That person usually wants to do that because they've been through something themselves, and they've been shown mercy. That's the beauty of it. As Second Corinthians will go on to say where it talks about um, you're comforting someone with the comfort by which you've been comforted. Usually someone with the gift of mercy has been through stuff in life, and they're familiar with pain. And they're familiar with difficulty and they see someone else going through it and they need to be there to throw an arm around that person. They have arsenals of Kleenex and they're just there. When they see someone crying, they're like, yes, I am on this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Then we laugh and tease, but it is so needed in the church. Is it not? Can you just give me an amen if you've ever been ministered to by someone with a gift of mercy? Amen. Amen. We're so thankful. Man, you're the person that says, you know, we always say those kind of things like, man, I'd trade places with you if I could. But you mean it when you say that stuff, you know? You see pain and you are touched when you see those things. Man, it's, it's such the heart of the church. You love people and you're aware of the great mercy that God has shown you. So you're the one that comes here and serves in the kids' wing and prays for the kids as they come. You're the one that signs up to to do meals for those who are sick. You're the one that wants to visit people in the hospital, that wants to pray for people after service. That's the gift of mercy. Now, we're out of time, so i got to bring this to some sort of conclusion here. Those are the spiritual gifts that are most commonly pointed to in Scripture, the list, if you will, that God gives us. Again, it's not an extensive list. There are other areas that people are gifted in, and they use them to serve God in a lot of different ways. But I want to just point out two things. Number one, please understand that spiritual gifts' primary use is intended to be used within the confines, if you will, or the context, better word, of the local church. We can, we can tend to go, this is what I've got, so I've got to go out there and find someone to do it. And that is true. But when you look at the descriptions of the spiritual gifts in Scripture, the intent is originally that these would be operating within the body of Christ. That the diversity of the gifts of the Spirit together make up the body of Christ. Because each one of these gifts is something that Jesus Christ was. He was merciful. He was organized. He was a leader. He, all, he was a teacher. He had wisdom. All of these things. And the church comes together as the body of Christ. And so in every case, whether it seems to be an ordinary expression or an extraordinary one, you are manifesting something of Christ together. That's what spiritual gifts are. And so the idea is there should be a place where all of us are practicing and exercising our spiritual gifts within the church. So whether that be the huddle groups that you serve in, the kids' ministry here, whatever's going on, we need to look for opportunities to, as Galatians says, to do good, especially to those of the household of faith. I mean, because the church, as they're doing all this together, there should be something attractive in that, that the world out there looks at and goes, man, that place is different. I want to be a part of that. So that's the intention behind the spiritual gifts. And the way that we use them, you say, okay, that's my gift. How? What do I know to do? Again, these are manifestations of Jesus Christ. So let me encourage you. And if you know what your gift is, your next step is go to the Gospels. Join with us. We just started on Wednesday nights. We just started this new series going through the book of Mark. Look at Jesus and go, okay, I'm a teacher. How did Jesus teach? What did Jesus teach? teach I'm a leader how did he lead what did he do with those he led and start learning from Jesus how these things do because the 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 end result of spiritual gifts is intended to bring all of us together in an actual manifestation embodiment of Jesus Christ for the world to see the church of Jesus Christ is the embodiment of Jesus Christ in the world around us today that's what God has designed us to be So I want to challenge you guys. Think this stuff through. Think these things through. Pray this. This is not not a passage that should be overlooked by any means. You should lean in. Don't be ignorant. What has God called you to do? And understand that we need you to serve in those gifts. We need you to operate in your giftings. This church, man, the things that God can do in this church, if people would get this and start serving and operating, man, it would be amazing. We need you. And then outside of the room of this church, if you will, the world around us needs to see Jesus. And for many of them, this is the embodiment of Jesus that God has given them in the world today. So let's do it. Amen? Amen. Will you guys stand with me? Next week, we have huddle groups meet one week from tonight. You're going to be digging into some of this kind of stuff and discussing these things. I would encourage you guys um, to think about this stuff, pray these things through. Um, Go back, listen to this again if you dare. But I encourage you, look, God has gifted you and, and we could push on this even harder and talk about the fact that there does come a day when we stand before God and we are accountable for the gifts that God has given us. So don't hide them under a bush, oh no. But serve, love, teach, what be, show wisdom, counsel, come alongside, get involved in huddle groups, organize. Man, work together in your gifts for the good of the kingdom of God, amen? God, I pray your blessing on everyone here this morning, Lord. I thank you that that none of us are just on the bench, God. But That, God, you've called us to active participation in your kingdom. It is a privilege to be able to serve the king. And it's, Lord, impossible for us uh, today to be able to understand the significance of what we're doing. So I pray, God, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, give everyone in this room uh, a manifestation of faith. To believe to believe your word when it says that if we do these things, we will be happy. To believe that if we do these things, or these are those who are built upon the rock, able to withstand storms. To believe that God can even use the meager gifts that we may feel we have for your kingdom. And to believe even, Lord, that the little things, so to speak, matter. So God, I pray that you would just continue to mold your church, this church in particular, God. I pray for Heritage, that you would continue to raise up those who are workers of mercy, those who are workers in wisdom, in knowledge, in ministry, in helps, in teaching, in prophecy, in healing, God. I pray that people in Heritage would be healed. God, I pray that you would do miracles through your church. But I pray, God, that you would just give us, by your Spirit, the faith to move forward, that you would reveal, Lord, yourself to us, what you would have for us, and give us, Lord, the strength by your Spirit to walk in it. I pray, God, for everyone that's here. I pray, Lord, that you would just bless them in their week ahead, that, God, they would just carry, Lord, that manifestation of you, Jesus Christ, with them this week. And I pray, God, that the world around us would see us and realize that there's something different, that we do have a hope within us. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. amen. I love you guys. Have a great week.